friends, and welcome to another episode of Fully Booked. I'm Megan. And I'm Shereen. And can you guys feel the chill in the air? It's officially (laughs) October, and I'm so excited. Um, This is my favorite month of the year. (laughs) (laughs) In case you hadn't realized. For so, so many reasons. I think it's just, I think it's just like the whole ambiance of this time of the year it's like everybody who for the rest of the year is just kind of like yeah horror whatever suddenly in October (laughs) embraces my entire way of being and is like I love everything spooky and so I feel a kinship with everyone wow (laughs) (laughs) Megan's really coming out of her shell yep (laughs) Uh, it's true it's like you do have like this spooky aura around you on a general you know day yeah, it's always there it's always there but everybody else has one too at this time oh of yeah year. in october everybody's like yes all spooky things yeah the leaves have turned it is chilly outside everybody's drinking pumpkin spice fucking everything <laughs> at this point we were too today it we was did delicious yeah there you go <laughs> we're basic <laughs> um but in keeping with the theme of this month, which surprise, surprise, is horror. Like, what the fuck else were we going to do at this time of year? I didn't even bother to try and or come up with, with another this. idea. It's the one month of the year, everybody. Um, anyway, in keeping with this very special time of year, obviously this month is Horror Month over Ooh. here on the podcast. And also it is Horror Month over on our website at fullybook.ca. So we will have a bunch of coverage for the genre, the whole horror genre over there. If you guys want to check that out, it's going to be really fun. And I'm excited. <laughs> can you tell? I can tell. <laughs> um, so this week, basically just to start the month off, I guess we thought it would be really timely to, I mean, in my case, revisit a film. Have you ever seen this movie I have before? never seen this okay. movie. Okay, <laughs> so revisit a movie and have Shireen watch a movie for the first time that I'm really surprised she's never seen. Well, I think I saw it, but I couldn't tell you what happened. I think I was too young to like... Oh, maybe you didn't understand what was going uh, yeah, on. Yeah, okay, fa- so. Fair, fair. So, um, today we are talking about the 1994 adaptation of Interview with the Vampire based on Anne Rice's novel of the same name. Um, because basically... If my calculations are correct, obviously we're pre-recording this episode, but if my calculations are correct, this episode will be coming out basically the same week that the new TV show on AMC is premiering. So there's a new adaptation of Interview with the Vampire that's coming out, I believe, I want to say October 2nd or 3rd. Um, Is anyone famous in this one? um, The guy from Game of Thrones is in this <laughs> oh, one. Oh, that's right. Grey, Grey Worm. Worm. Yeah, that's yes. it. He's the only person who I've recognized so far, but I've seen like one trailer, so I don't know. And he plays Louis. Louis, exactly. Um, so yeah, so I thought it would be really fun to kind of revisit this movie at the same time. It's been a really long time since I've seen the film. I've read the first three books in this series. Which would be? Uh, Interview with the Vampire is the first, followed by The Vampire Lestat, followed by Queen of the Damned. Right. Which was also made into a movie. Yes, which is another kind of film. <laughs> Very I'm different from... I'm a bigger fan of that one <laughs> I'm, this one. I'm a really big fan of that one until I have to watch it critically. <laughs> if we ever have to do that, I'm probably going to have a different opinion of it. <laughs> yeah, but you can't really watch that movie critically. I don't like, think so. We might do it at some point, but who we knows? We might have to. Oh, but boy. It's for the soundtrack. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so with, without further ado, let's kick off some spooky season stuff and let's just, you know, let's talk about some foppish vampires, shall we? <laughs> I've come to answer your prayers. 
Life has no meaning anymore, does it? His name is Lestat. But what if I could give it back to you? Pluck out the pain and give you another life. One you could never imagine. I can see you lying on a bit of satin. He chose one man. He gave him infinite power. Eternal life. And a daughter who would be forever young. So, um, Interview with a Vampire, released in 1994, is based on Anne Rice's novel of the same name, which was published in 1976. Mm-hmm. Um, she originally, actually she wrote, she I believe wrote this as a short story to begin with and then expanded upon it. Unfortunately, um, her very young daughter passed away from leukemia when she was five or six, Ooh. I think, and had been diagnosed around this time. Um, and I think that part of what she was doing with writing this story was kind of working through some of what she'd had Mm. to deal with because of that. Um, So the movie uh, is currently has a rating of 7.5 out of 10 on IMDb and 64% on Rotten Tomatoes. I think 64% is a little harsh. The audience score is way better. The audience score is 86%. Oh, wow. Yeah. (laughs) I would have gone with like a 78 or something on this one. I'd say, yeah, I think I think it hovers around the 70 to 75 percent. Yeah, mark more or less, yeah, like 7.5 like out of 75. 10, like a strong yeah. 75. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly. <laughs> I love that we're trying to like almost find reasons. <laughs> we're but trying it's to like true. quantify what this film is worth. Yeah, yeah. that's it. So anyway. <laughs> um, if yeah, if you guys sort of are unfamiliar with. Uh, this film or the book or anything the interview with the vampire is the first novel in a series called the vampire chronicles um of which i don't even i'm not sure i feel like there are at least seven or eight of them Mm -hmm. um as well as a few sort of individual stories and some overlap as well because anne rice also wrote um a witch series Mm -hmm. about the mayfair witches if i'm not mistaken haven't tackled that one yet it's very long like the first book i think is called the witching hour and it is a tome so you have to be willing to really get into it anne rice while a beautiful writer um who unfortunately she passed away last year Mm -hmm. um she was she her style of writing was very heavy on like description it's a commitment <laughs> very much so you you have to just kind of like just accept that a description of something will take a page or two to get yeah. through like that's just kind of what it is that was her style of writing it's very gothic and almost mm, old-fashioned yes. in a way well she you know some people regard these as you know some of the og vampires in uh you know literature kind of yeah you know while Obviously, vampire stories existed well before this. Oh, yeah. You know, Bram Stoker was around a well, yeah. long time Way before this. Um, but it, she kind of gave, I guess, the idea of the classic style vampire a new voice. Yeah, like a revival. Yeah, almost. yeah. Before it got you know ripped to shreds by Stephanie Meyer. Yeah, <laughs> King Twilight. Anyway, um, <laughs> uh, basically, this story follows. Um, the story is told from an interview perspective, hence the title, obviously. Um, a character, his name is Louis de Pointe-du-Lac. 
from the point of the lake. Yeah, is being <laughs> basically um, is being interviewed by a young man who actually the character's name is played by Christian Slater in the movie. The character's name is Daniel Malloy in the film, but in the book he has no name. He's All like right. a seventeen or eighteen year old kid, and they just refer to him as the boy. He's just the boy. Well, I guess in the book he's not meant to have uh, as much of a presence. No, and he's also not played by an actor who is like kind of well known ish at the time. I think yeah. that. I think Christian Slater had already made, like, a good few movies at this point, like Heathers and a couple of other things, so he was popular with, like, the teen set. Mm. Um, so people knew who he was, mm. which I think is probably why. Actually, this role was originally supposed to go to River Phoenix, but he oh. passed away a month before shooting wow. started. So they actually gave it to, um, Christian to Christian Slater instead, which is fine. I like Christian Slater. No problem. Um, so, yeah. So basically... Uh, this whole, this is like a narration almost of the life of a particular vampire. In this case, it's Louis' character. Um, and he's pretty much just telling Daniel, Christian Slater's character, his story from the time that he was turned into a vampire. Mm -hmm. um, the movie opens with very many sweeping shots of San Francisco. It's true. We, yes, it does. There's we, like a whole montage in the beginning. <laughs> There's quite a few. Yeah. And I think it's meant to almost look like a vampire flying overhead, kind of. Ooh. But I'm not sure. I don't know <laughs> if that's a thing. Maybe it's just me like inferring from absolutely fucking nothing. Who knows? <laughs> um, and a lot of gothic choir music to open the movie. It's true. <laughs> For a moment there, I was like, oh boy, like, what are we in for here? Um, yeah. <laughs> so basically... Well, yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, it, it, the whole movie it's kind was of like, shot like it was like a, a theater play, This could have really... Know? I don't know if anybody's ever done that. This could have really easily been a stage play. Oh, totally. For like, sure. Like, the way the whole thing was shot, yeah. like, including the music at the beginning. Like, everything. The music throughout was very stage play. So, yeah, and it could have been... No, you're right, though. <laughs> Absolutely. Um... So basically, we're, you know, starting off with a little bit of a narration. Uh, Christian Slater's character is, like, setting up his tape and stuff. And the first thing I think that Louis asks him is, like, do you have enough tape yes. for this? And he's like, yeah, yeah, I got a whole bag full. We're fine. And, like, his, he just, his thing seems to be that he's, like, kind of a young journalist-ish, kind of. Well, I don't know what his whole deal is. He says he, he collects seems... stories from people. Right, that's right. He collects stories. And then, you know, you're kind of like, but, you know, are you, are do you a part of a newspaper yeah like is this a magazine do you publish them yeah. uh do you put them on the radio like put them what's in a bottle and then send them out to sea oh that'd know? be great that would be great <laughs> much scrolls to just shove into bottles can you imagine if you only sent like one scroll with part of the story at a time out <laughs> send it out you're only catching like little bits of it whoever picks it up anyway <laughs> Weekly following of messages in a bottle. That would be so funny. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Our next venture on Fully Booked. Oh my god. <laughs> we should just do that. <laughs> Write random halves of stories and just send them out to sea. Oh man. Oh boy. Um, anyway, so they start their story. Basically, Louis starts his story by straight up saying immediately that he's a vampire. And obviously Daniel's like, lol. Yeah. <laughs> sure, sure. But then he, you know, does a couple of like little tricks where he moves from one place to another real fast. He's like, is your mind open enough? Yeah, pretty much. Like, can you handle this, basically? Yeah. And Daniel's, like, a little put out, put off, but he's kind of like, oh, okay. But okay. he's intrigued. Like, obviously, who wouldn't be? You would want to know. And, you know, collector of stories. I would expect you to go along with Exactly. This. So, uh, there is, obviously, overlaying narration throughout the film, because mm -hmm. the, the book itself, as well, is a retelling of what happened. Right. Um, but we do transition from... I mean, modern day. I think it's it's meant to be basically the year that the film came out, 1994, I mm -hmm. guess. 
but we take things all the way back to 1791, um, a little outside of New Orleans, apparently. It's in Louisiana, anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, Louis' character, Louis, by the way, is played by Brad Pitt. Um, oh, who is terrible casting. Yeah, who is trying the absolute least in this film. <laughs> he is, so, like, zero shit's given throughout yeah no no effort you can just tell like he just does not want to be there yeah so i did some reading a little bit because like you know when i saw this too like it's not like brad pitt's a bad actor or anything he's pretty famous you know and it's not like he's done a terrible job in everything he's ever been in so you can't you can't help but be a little bit curious as to why (laughs) well i kind of thought that it was because you know maybe it was one of his first movie it wasn't one of no, his first movies uh, it wasn't it wasn't too far behind that though like right. but he'd made a couple of movies that were also it's so funny the casting in this film is so interesting based on the points that these people were at in their careers. So, like, Brad Pitt had not made... He hadn't made, like, a ton of movies at this point. It's not like he was, you know... I I don't... He'd not... Okay, like, thank... Like, for instance, thank God he had not made Fight Club at this point because I would be fucking strange. Oh, no, he would have totally, like, tanked his career (laughs) at that point. Can you imagine? He never would have been able to make Fight Club. So, like, that kind of thing I can understand. And he... But he hadn't made like a ton of movies up till this point he'd made a few things like that I've never heard of hunk no way out no man's land don't know what any of those are um but when you got into the early 90s he started he was in a river runs through it mm. uh california where he plays like a psychopath so this was an interesting choice true romance which is also like a crime quentin tarantino film I literally never heard of any of these movies oh my god you're so funny <laughs> but this was but this was before 7 before 12 monkeys and before fight club so this really so did like, not hinder his career in any it way. It might have kind of kicked it off a little say, bit, which is like weird really because he because he's just bored in this movie. He looks bored. So bored. Like, um, yeah. Yeah. So I was reading basically that he did not have a good time making this film. Apparently, one thing that they would do for the makeup, because you know they have like veins on their mm. faces, basically the vampires in this, apparently the makeup artist would have them like hang upside down for a half hour oh, before filming would start, before they would start with the makeup process to have like the blood rush to their heads and have their veins kind of pop out and then they would trace over them after i was like you could have just made it up oh, and yeah, i don't know you had to make no people do that yeah so apparently he had a, a lousy time with that and also obviously the vast majority of what they were doing were night shoots so like you know your cycle's all off and i think he didn't see the sun for a while <laughs> and he got kind of depressed it seems so, so that he was became his character kind of yeah because i mean like uh, in the and i think he was also he also indicated he was really disappointed with the script oh right okay because of course interview with the vampire the novel is told from louis total perspective and Mm -hmm. in that yes he's kind of broody and things like that which is fine but it's he's much more dynamic yeah and his character is more focused on whereas you know this movie for most of the way through is the lestat show it really is and it's also like quite campy it's so campy like very campy campy. um and it's hard to take it seriously because of that and and i think that anne rice's books are quite serious tone books i think so ironically she wrote the screenplay for this film which is interesting but that could have been it could be direction yeah it could be the actor's choices it could be so 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 many things i will say that it's very the story in the novel is pretty close to the book uh, Mm. to the book sorry to the screenplay because probably she wrote both Fair enough. So, Fair you enough. know, so things are modernized a little bit because this wasn't the 70s anymore, but otherwise, like, meh, there were a lot of similarities. Yeah. 
Anyway, um, anyway, so basically Louis, back in 1791, was a plantation owner mm. um, outside of New Orleans. He was, he had a death wish basically because his wife and daughter had recently passed away. That's not the case in the book. It was just his brother, I think, who died. Um, yeah, I don't know. They gotta, they, they gotta needed to up it. the ante yeah, a little bit. Yeah, they needed to up the ante. If he had said that, I'm sure people would have been like, yeah, so. Yeah. <laughs> Well, now they might have just been like, "You're being a bit." You're you being know, a bit over dramatic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so basically, he, you know, he's pretty much despondent. You know, he wanders in and out of brothels, uh, gets into fights on purpose. Pretty much like, wants someone to kill vampire him. Vampire depression. Well, he's not a vampire yet, but yeah, he's. But just, it's vampire he's, level depression. It is vampire it level is. depression. Like he was totally ready to be a vampire. He kind of was, even yeah. though like he hates it later. But whatever, yeah. it's fine. Um, <laughs> basically, he is wandering in an alleyway one night. Uh, the the sex worker who he's with, her pimp or whatever, is going to kill him. Because mm. he's like, give me all your money, meh. Um, and then, of course, both of them get, like, sucked off screen by some <laughs> magical entity that we can't see. I really see. hate that they do that in every vampire movie. I know. Like... <laughs> I know. So they get, they get like, sucked off screen and murdered because you hear murder noises. <laughs> basically, <laughs> screaming and then crunching are usually murder noises. Yeah, they really are. Yeah. Crunching. So he... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's true, though. Um, and then he's immediately attacked by a vampire who is... Um, a very recurring character in all of the books. His name is Lestat. Lestat technically is supposed to be, he was a French aristocrat named Lestat de Lioncourt. Um, and he was turned some decades before he finds Louis. Mm. Um, I really, <laughs> I said this earlier, but I really wish that in the 90s, um, filmmakers cared a little bit more about accent work, like actually oh, having know, the yeah. accents, because technically, you know, uh, Louis describes himself as Creole, right? And he just sounds like Brad Pitt, which is right. stupid. Well, yeah, he didn't even try to not be Brad Pitt. But no, also like he tried know, to sound a little fancier. Cre- like they kind of whitewashed the character, but then it doesn't really like what is he, plantation owner, but he's Creole. Well, yeah, but it's because he's he grew up in the area, right? Right. Okay. So it's like. I guess it, he says Creole, but I, my assumption is that he would be, like, Cajun, basically. Oh, I see. Yeah, okay. Kind of. I don't know. I don't know enough about the history or enough Fair about enough. the area. It was the 1790s, so obviously the United States had been established at this point. However, Louisiana was still owned by France, and it wouldn't be purchased by them until the early 1800s. Oh, right, okay. So this is still, like, you know, between that... Yes. Transition over into yes. the U.S. from being a French colony. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, they were still technically a French colony because the rest of the United States, it was established in, what, 1770-something? Thank you. Thank you very much. But it was, I think, 1803 or 1804 that Louisiana as a state was technically purchased and became part of the United States. I know. History. Okay. Who knew? History. There I don't know much about American history because I am not American, but there you go. There you go. <laughs> so... Basically, he is attacked by Lestat, bitten by him, and taken to a fancy room with billowy curtains. God, there's a lot of there's billowy so curtains. Many, yeah, but there's also billowy shirts. There's billowy hair. <laughs> everything billowy pants. Like oh, everything billows. In there this are movie. some wigs in this movie, <laughs> and the white 
face paint. Oof. Like, oof. It's just like white powder. Everything feels very Victorian or Elizabethan era. White oh, definitely. powdered. I was expecting almost powdered wigs, but it's not. It's just wigs. It's just wigs. <laughs> and also my most favorite is all of the, you know, flying all over the place with an obvious wire that they're using, you know. It's I just, mean, the style it's of... so the- theatrical. That's it's very... It's like a theater. Yeah. You know? No, I see what you mean. It's very much like a theater play yeah. almost um so anyway basically Lestat gives Louis the option I've pretty much drained all of your blood so you can either die or I can um give you the I guess the option at an everlasting life and like what most of us would do because most of us wouldn't be like gee I can't wait to die uh Louis says yes okay I great I have the opportunity to to live again or something but he no, doesn't really know the specifics of it like he's like on so like Lestat's like I'm gonna give you the option that nobody gave me and this yeah, is yeah. like his whole thing oh god and then he like brings Louis on the brink of death and he's like so do you want me to save you and it's like well of course he's gonna well, be like, obviously yeah like you're not gonna be like oh actually I've been depressed this whole time and now that I'm faced with death I'm gonna take it like it's like you know that probably would not happen is it of like a human behavior for like, sure we have our survival instinct so he's like yeah save me and then he turns into a vampire yeah and is immediately like oh fuck is that what you meant <laughs> I did not read the fine print no here. like at all so um I think with Lestat, what he tries to do or what he likes or what he thinks is like a positive thing about himself is that he tries to teach the vampires that he turns. He's like, well, you know, I didn't, I didn't have anybody to do this with me. And it is true. Lestat, the second book is like his whole origin story. Mm. And he was... Uh, you know, taken and turned by a very old vampire named Magnus who turns him and then basically just kills himself the next day. Like, no, he, like, walked into the sun the next morning. Yeah. This kind of sounds like Carlisle's backstory from from Twilight. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. So it's it was kind of like that. Like the vampires in this, I swear to God, Stephanie Meyer based the Volturi on oh, these vampires. Right? Like the whole time I was watching it, I'm like, oh, there's your There's Arrow. Like, yeah. Yeah, Arrow was obviously um what's this? Lestat. No, um the other one. Who are you thinking of? Uh, Armand? Antonio. Yeah, him. Yeah. Armand. Oh, yeah. Antonio Banderas, who we'll get to later. <laughs> that's, uh, that's interesting. So, of course, you know, obviously it's too late. It's done. Mm. Um, and Lestat begins to teach Louis who he is now, what this means. Um, and Louis Vampire is none works. too happy about it because he's like, hey, I don't really want to murder human beings. Oh, yeah. And then and then we've just got this whole, like, Edward Cullen, like, detesting yes. himself. Well, he, you know? he drinks only from animals well, because he doesn't want to kill humans, blah, 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 oh, blah. Right. She totally took all of this from, from she Anne did. Rice. She did. I Somebody else needs to talk about it. She definitely stole half these ideas from Anne Rice. Oh, Hundo P. Yeah, for sure. Um, so basically, you know, at first... There are times where he kind of succumbs to it a little bit, almost, but he feels shitty about it immediately afterward. Like, they're on his, they're using the house at his plantation, but he's, like, all despondent and depressed and not eating right. or doing anything, <laughs> and then he bites one of the slaves. Right, yeah, because he's, like, so overcome by hunger. Yes, that's it. Um, who, like, I know that actress, she's, like, a British actress, and I've seen her in stuff before, but she looked really familiar. Anyway... Um, he, anyway, he bites her and of course all the 
slaves on the plantation have basically started almost an uprising against him because yes. they're like because they've realized they're like this guy's a fucking monster well, like both yeah. of them are um and you know louis also hates lestat's whole attitude about this lestat adjusted to being a vampire much better than louis does he enjoys what he does oh absolutely and like this is his whole thing like oh i'm gonna give you the option that i was never given like he totally loves being a vampire and yeah He's now using this plantation as like his own personal buffet. As Pretty he much sits there and just like yeah, they're God. It's tr- on them. It's true. There are scenes where they're pulling slaves' bodies out of the river yeah. and shit there, and just like finding them. And then, of course, and so obviously they're not idiots. They're going to yeah, figure out what's I mean, going they on. Weren't very, um, you know, subtle <laughs> about what they were doing. No. Um, so of course, so Louis in a rage, basically uh, sets the plantation on fire, takes off. I felt bad because, of course, he's saying to all of his fucking slaves, these people that he owned while he was, you know, in charge, he's saying to all these people, you're free now, go. I'm like, where the fuck are they going to go? go? Like, okay, yes, yes, we were watching that, and I'm just like... So stupid. Where are they going to go? Like, this is ridiculous. Anyway. (laughs) So they leave the plantation. Louis basically decides um after a while he decides like he hates Lestat's attitude about everything and he's he's very much very strongly I should say considering just leaving him and Mm -hmm. going off on his own oh and it's also important to note like the obvious sexual like undertones that's going on yeah here. Like, they really they, tamp it down in the movie it's not very obvious yeah but like it's also like in the dialogue obviously like, yes you can tell but they don't play it at. so it doesn't really yeah. make any sense i know it's just um uh, other side note um tom cruise really gives this performance his all but part of me wonders if this is just him <laughs> in real life yeah you know he would behave <laughs> i mean maybe which is like a thought but I will say though, and I don't. I'm not a. I'm not a particularly big Tom Cruise fan. Mm-hmm. When he's in movies, for me, he's just in the movie. I yeah. don't get what the big deal is. Whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, he actually is acting in this film. Like he's actually yeah, doing he actually something. Is. That's what I'm saying. Like he. He. This is one of the only yeah. movies that he actually tries to go above and beyond yes. his normal, like you know. Dude persona. Yeah, that's it. And there's, it's funny because he's like, you know, obviously he's like a kind of a flamboyant former aristocrat. This is like I said to you earlier, this is like a yassified Tom Cruise. That's <laughs> true. Um, and, but he, the thing is, I think because this film chose to cast people like Brad Pitt and Tom Cruise at this time in their careers in the early 90s when Brad Pitt was really getting started yeah. and Tom Cruise had already made fucking Top Gun. Oh, yeah. You he know? Was already well so he was like way. risky business, Top Gun, like he was already a big deal. Yeah. Um, at this time, they were never going to make it explicitly romantic or sexual between them. No, it would have really. Uh, everybody would have. would have been an interesting move. For it was 1994. Careers. Everybody would have hated it. Mm, the world was just not there. No. Now it is because I've seen the trailer for the TV show that's oh, coming good. out and it is an explicitly romantic relationship. There is a full seduction that's going on. Uh-huh so glad that we're like you know okay with that now trying to move forward now we're not perfect but we're every small win is a win yeah oh <laughs> side note the tv show also updates the time period because of course uh louis will be played by a black actor mm. and so he wouldn't be running a plantation um so i believe that the show updates things to the early 1900s if i'm not mistaken and louis's character owns a brothel 
Okay. So that's how they're doing it. And the costumes also look updated. It's not as... Billowy. As, yeah. <laughs> more suits, more nice hats and shit, and, like, less billowy stuff. Less frou-frou, less frills around the, like, the cuffs and stuff, you know? Oh, uh, the cuffs. Yeah. Um, <laughs> wow, we're going off on tangents. Anyway, so <laughs> Louis uh, is just miserable. One evening he goes wandering off, but he's starving. Like, he's been right. starving himself, basically, to the point of death. Yep. Uh, he wanders in, the, this was this like late 1700s, and so the plague was a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, he wanders into the house of a family who've obviously been affected by the plague, and he finds this young girl right. who's almost dead. Um, in the book, she's five, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I can definitely understand you can't cast a five year old actor, well, they no. wouldn't be able to Especially do this. Not for this particular no. scene. No, and for this role in general, it just yeah. wouldn't make sense. So, mm-hmm. anyway, this young girl who, like, her mom is, like, dead in the corner mm-hmm. and she's all sad, uh, he feeds off of her in a moment of weakness and feels horrible yeah. immediately. Lestat comes upon him, mocks him a bunch oh, for yeah. it. He thinks this is hilarious. Oh, yeah, he's so, like, so, oh, so funny. This is what happens when you starve yourself. Yes, you but, end up eating children. <laughs> yeah, and in this, Lestat has also realized that Louis is not happy with him and is probably looking to leave so of course what does this one do as a manipulative little bargaining chip he um he basically drains this young girl of all of her blood um to the point of death and gives louis two options you can just it's cool you can just let her die or you can turn her um the implications of turning a five-year-old child even okay fine even if we consider so the young girl they name her claudia she doesn't have a name before that Mm -hmm. lestat calls her claudia and that's just her name from now on she's played by kirsten dunst who apparently was 10 years old when she made this movie which i can't i don't i don't even understand she's so good yeah um and that's not something that i say super often about kids who have like a lot of work to do in a film i think the only other like notable child like to me anyway Mm -hmm. like child performance was um jacob tremblay in room oh so good so good yeah but it's rare see that's it it. you have to think about it right because it's it would be difficult to be able to carry certain um certain things like this at a really young age i wouldn't have been able to do it that's for sure i can't even do it now yeah (laughs) (laughs) so anyway so lestat's done this louis makes the choice that he would like another companion and he turns her they name her claudia um, Kirsten Dunst is so stinking cute. She's so she cute really with her little cute. curly hair. Oh my gosh, she's like a little doll. Yeah, and um, basically you can see the kind of, first of all, this creates like a little actual family. It's like two parents and the kid. Yeah. Um, which again, if this were an explicitly romantic relationship would make more sense, but yep. whatever. It would it would explain why Louis stays. Exactly. Yeah. But what you see throughout this, now like we have like sort of a montage where Claudia is um, basically, like Louis is like her dad or her mm. mom, kind of. Louis is like the mom, <laughs> sort of. And he like, you know, he nurtures her, he cares for her, he loves her. Lestat, on the other hand, is almost like a teacher, mm. kind of, because he takes this opportunity to basically mold her into a little killing machine. It's true. and But this just goes back to Lestat's entire persona, which is like... I can show you the world, like, as a vampire. Yeah, pretty know? much. Pretty he, much. He just shows them, like, how to be the worst behavior. Yeah. So they, um... <laughs> anyway, time goes by. Decades begin to pass. Um, obviously, you do have 
a little bit of a notion that, oh, okay, so now Louisiana is part of the United States mm. because there's a thing where Lestat's complaining about, uh, like, the Yankees, quote-unquote, right. who are showing up. And he has, like, he what is it? He has this really funny line where um, Louis is saying, like, oh, like, you know, is their blood, like, not to your liking? And he's saying they're too democratic for him or something. And yes. it made, that made me laugh. I thought that was funny. Um, but at the same time, what's happening and what kind of becomes part of the central issue and conflict for everyone is that Claudia mentally and emotionally is aging, but she's still a child, but she's in the body of a very young girl. I'll just say a 10 year old girl. She's in the body of a 10 year old girl. She will never mature physically and she will never be able to experience any of the things that happen when you physically mature. So, you know. What at one there's one scene where they're walking around at night, you know, and there's a door that's slightly open. She sees a woman who's naked, a fully grown woman who's mm. naked, who's washing, mm. right? And she just stares at her, and she doesn't understand at first. And she says, and it's really sad because she says to Louis, she says, "Oh, I want to be like her. Do you think I can? I can be like her at yeah. one point?" And Louis just looks at Lestat like, "You fucking asshole! Yeah, like, look what you did. like, look what you started. Yeah. Look what you did because." There, there are so many psychological implications to stunting someone's growth, like a child, yeah. um, you know, and there's, there's, there are form, basically she was like about 10 years old. There are really formative years that will happen after that. And as a female identifying person, your body will change. Yeah. And she, like, she's mentally gone through that transformation, yes. but her body is without, not up. Yeah. Without the physical catching up of any of that and so she will never and you know she will never be able to do something like experience like a romantic relationship or anything with someone and I think it's at this point that like her her character starts to change and kind of turn oh she gets yeah because she realizes like what he's done she speaks to Louis about it and she's like we should just fucking go and he's (laughs) like well he's never gonna let us leave and because Louis is a big fucking doormat he won't do anything about it Um, he's too busy being depressed oh my god not even depressed, but like broody. No, it's so like much. He, he's just too busy being broody to actually take any type of action or stand up for himself. Yeah. So she decides to take it into her own hands. And one evening she brings, she tells Lestat, you know, she's sorry because she they had gotten into a fight. Mm-hmm. Um, she tells him she's sorry. And she's like, oh, I brought you a present. She's brought him two people who look like twins who were passed out. They did, I didn't think they, they were meant to be they siblings. Were twins. They probably were, yeah, right? I think they were. Yeah, she's well, always the same. I saw them and I knew they were for you. So yeah. she brings him like two people who she says are passed out because they were drunk or something. Mm-hmm. Um that's a lie. He takes uh he drinks from one of them and has like a really weird reaction to it and she actually reveals to him she's dosed both of them with laudanum. Um, which is like an opiate, mm. basically. And it turns out it killed them because I guess she gave them too much. Right. And what happens is that if you, if a vampire in this, like, lore, if a vampire drinks from a dead body, uh, the blood can potentially kill them as well. It's almost like it sucks you into death. Yeah. With it. And I think that has something to do with, like, your soul not your being soul, in your body anymore. Yeah. yeah. There also sounds familiar, Miss Meyer. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so she's tricked him into doing that. Um, and then when he's weakened and he's like on the floor, she slits his throat. There's so oh, much blood. She just like keeps going for him. Like, she's Louis intense. Like, oh, like maybe we should like help him. And she's like, nope. nope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Louis comes in and he's like, what the fuck? <laughs> and you're like, well, you didn't fucking do anything. Anyway, yeah. he's upset because of course he does love Lestat. Ugh. 
which is whatever, sure. Again, like, you know, like an, if they but, were just no, but coming like, right out with it, you know. He's like an abused spouse. Yeah, fair. Kind of, who still loves their, like, their partner. Their, well, in this case, I think it's, like, it's his maker, you know. Like, yeah, that's how they play it, but that's really yeah. not what it is. It's like an abused spouse. Yeah, yeah. Um, So, I love, I love Kirsten Dunst in this scene. She's so funny, because she's, like, she's, like, he's bled out basically completely, and he's, like, dead on the floor. Yeah. He looks dead. Um. And she's like, and Louis all like upset and traumatized. And she's just like, okay, what do you think we should do? Should we set him on fire? Should we bury him? And Louis like, what the fuck? And then she just goes, oh, the swamp. <laughs> so they bring him to the swamp and, and dump back him in. As like a fucking swamp. Oh, creature. it's so fun. Like it's so creepy. So they, they decide they're running away to Europe basically so that they can start anew. Um, while they're waiting, and I love he's saying in the weeks leading up to when the ship arrived, I'm like, oh fuck, you had to wait weeks back then. Yeah, Is that wild? Yeah, that's wild. <laughs> it's nuts. Like you had to wait for a ship and it was gonna take you a week to get across. So At like, least a week, if yeah, not more. If not more. So right before they leave, Lestat shows up in total swamp boy mode. Total swamp boy. I liked his makeup. It looked cool. It looked cool. It did like, look good. I thought that that's what his like whole like makeup was gonna be for the rest of the movie. I was like, oh cool, we got we got swamp Lestat. Yeah, now. that would have been kind of fun actually. I don't know. Um, he. But anyway, yeah. So he has an an evil man monologue and. Then kind of gets into a fight with them. And then, of course, he goes to attack Claudia because she killed him, sort of. Mm. But not really. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Louis sets him on fire. And there's a great fire That's stunt. Because right. this yes. person, yes. like, crawls onto the wall and onto the ceiling. Good job, stunt team. <laughs> yeah, they did a great job in this movie. Like, the amount of, like, stunts that they did on fire in this movie. Holy was, fuck. Like, there's a whole scene later where it's just, like, there were, like, seven people on fire. on fire. It's yeah. crazy. Um, so, yeah. So, they th- so it sets fire to a whole bunch of buildings. They run away. They jump on the ship at the last minute. Um, and, of course, they think they've gotten away again. Mm-hmm. Uh, they go to Europe. More time passes. He says they've looked for other immortals but not found them. And then, conveniently, when they're in Paris... Mm. Um, in what does it say here? 1870. There we go. This is how much time has passed. So it's been quite a long. About what 40 years? No more than no, that. Because he that. was turned in oh, no. 1791. 91. So it would have been sorry, not 40. Years. So like 80, 80 years. years. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And Claudia has been a vampire for 60 odd years at this point. Oof. I'd say. So she's like 70 in her mind at this point. Kind of, yeah. or at least matured to the point of probably like in her 30s. Yeah, exactly. Let's say. Um, so one evening when Louis is like despondently taking a walk again with the fog, again with okay. the miserable oh, so face. Much brood. Oh fuck, it's so annoying. It's it gets cliff. This is like a two hour movie and it gets really tiresome after like the first forty minutes. That's why and, I fell asleep. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um he encounters first this really weird vampire named Santiago who like does a mime routine with him, which is bizarre. And then we are introduced to Arma who is played by Antonio Banderas. That in wig. Oh, my God. In one of his, maybe his third or fourth English-speaking role ever, because he had only been doing stuff in Spain before then, which is cool. Good yeah. for him. This was, no, like, one of his, him. I think this was one of his breakouts into the American, like, market, basically. You gotta really respect actors who are able to do that. Yeah, good for him. Um, interestingly, like, fun, I mean, they just, like, obviously they didn't care when they were casting, Armand's character recurs in the novels as well. He has his own standalone too. Mm. Um, he's old. And they, they talk about it really briefly in the movie, but he's old. He's already about 400 years old mm. when they encounter him because he was turned in the 1400s. Right. Um, 
interestingly, he's supposed to be like 17. What? <laughs> yeah, he was supposed to be a cherubic looking boy of 17. Mm-hmm. He looks very innocent. Well, which I'm like, they really yikes. Didn't mis- they miscast that one then. I mean, he's also supposed to be Russian, so whatever. <laughs> Who cares? Boy, okay. <laughs> wow, they really went in another direction. Yeah, whatever. So anyway, Armand invites Louis and Claudia into kind of, they have like a, like a coven of vampires kind of it's like a cult it's, well it's like a theater troupe of vampires a theater troupe cult <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> maybe um who basically put on shows in paris at this place that they call the Théâtre de vampire um and they unsuspectingly in front of live audiences murder people on stage humans because they'll bring them on stage but of course everybody thinks it's part of the show i don't know how like how they manage because they keep showing like bits and pieces sure. of these um oh my god i have the french the plays name. the you plays you thank you <laughs> yeah that's why i keep saying theater because all i've got is pièce de théâtre yeah. in my head so i'm like the theater pieces um the plays so they keep showing bits and pieces of them yeah. um but they don't actually show like okay how do we sneak the body off the stage no well the curtain i mean the one time that we see a person actually yeah. died the curtain closes right. so i assume they just pick her up and carry her well, off there would still be a fair amount of blood on the stage yeah there. you'd think so does yeah. somebody run by with a mop, mop. like yeah. <laughs> like what's the situation yeah. there backstage mop vamp go no but is there just like an assistant stage manager who has to like run through it could be yeah. i don't know like a ren type <laughs> character who wants to be turned so they're just doing the dirty work you know uh, also in twilight <laughs> Oh, fuck me. It's oh, true. Oh, my God. Yeah, you know the Volturi when the receptionist is there? She's human. And oh, that's she wants right. To be a vampire. Yeah, so she just works for them. I'm sure they have a mop boy who does it. Okay. Girl. All right, probably. <laughs> so good job never having an original idea, Stephanie Meyer, honestly. <laughs> Uh, anyway, so Armand, like, introduces them to everybody in the coven, and they're fucking weird, um, and they're all, like, very happy to do this. Louis thinks this is terrible. He's like, you guys are making a spectacle of murdering people. Like, you're not just doing it. You're, like, doing it on stage. It's yeah. fucked up. Mm-hmm. Um, Apparently, in this universe, because actually also Lestat can do it as well, and I think it's because they're older, some of the vampires can read other people's thoughts and other vampires' thoughts as well. It's a thing. They have, like, a telepathic ability to do that because at one point earlier, Louis and Lestat are at a party, and uh, Lestat tells him something about the people in the corner, and he's like, how do you know that? And he's like, oh, listen to their thoughts, but Louis can't do it. I think it's because he's a baby vampire and he can't do it yet. Oh, baby vampire. Yeah. <laughs> also very Edward Cullen to read people's thoughts. Kind of, yeah. That's it. <laughs> so um, so anyway, this, right, that's what it is, right. So this vampire, Santiago, who we were introduced to earlier, he reads Louis' thoughts and he's like, you guys killed another vampire. And that is like not a thing you're allowed to do. Not allowed to kill one of your own kind. No, that's it, exactly. Um, while this is happening, so Louis and Armand have kind of had a connection. Again, it's not done very well in the film. It's really not. Like, it just kind of seems like Louis' loyalty flip-flops. It's yes. not really like a like a love or a sexual thing. It's whatever is convenient it. for it's, him. It's whatever's convenient. Whoever shows him a little bit of, like, I guess, kindness. Yes. Yeah, no, it's true. Mm. Agreed. Um, so, of course... 
Claudia is upset by this because she thinks that Louis is going to leave her. Mm. So she asks him to make her a new companion. Right. Um, it's this woman, Madeline, who I think works at like a toy shop or something. She mm-hmm. brings her home and she's like, oh, I'd really like you to like, you know, she's like fucking turn her because you're going to leave me. Right. And I hate you, but I love you anyway because you're right. like my dad. But turn her so that I can have a companion. And so Louis does it because he doesn't have a backbone. Um, even though, like, he tells her, like, I'm not gonna leave you, and she's just like, yes, you fucking are, now turn her, and he's like, okay, and he just does it. Uh. Yeah, yeah, he's really just kind of like, um, like a way of driving the story forward. He's just kind of like a vehicle to drive He's there the to story. narrate. Like, that's it. Yeah. Like, he doesn't actually have any type of personality. No, it's really disappointing because he the character... Have a personality. Yeah, the character in the book is, like, a lot more nuanced. Yeah. And there is more... I don't know. There's more to it, I guess. What were you doing, Brad? Fucking nothing. <laughs> like, less than nothing, basically. Yeah. I think also, I have trouble because it's true, Louis, everybody calls him beautiful mm. all the time. Um, and I have trouble with it because, like, Brad Pitt's too chiseled for somebody to call him beautiful. Really rugged. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. It's, it, doesn't, it doesn't fit. Like, no. the casting doesn't fit with what the character is described as by people physically on screen, like, in the screenplay, yeah. what he's described like, as. like, oh, you're, well, because, like, Lestat says to him, you're still beautiful. Yes, like, at the yeah. End, and you're like, Ugh. And you're like, it's not, that's not what, it, it's almost like he would have had to be somebody, like, a little more angular and younger looking. A little bit more elven looking, yeah. Kind of. Yeah. Yeah, that would have made more sense. Yeah. It's weird. Whatever. Um, so, of course, after, a little while after Louis turns this woman, um, the three of them are abducted by the crazy cult vampires there including Santiago yes because he's nuts um and they take them back to that like catacomb that they live in Mm. and they basically say like oh well you killed another vampire and that's not okay so they decide to exact their own decided brand of justice I guess they're not like a counselor or anything they're just a bunch of crazy vampires pretty much yeah and they so they say that they're going to bury Louis in a coffin and lock him away and he'll like you know be suffering and going crazy for hundreds of years or however long um, (laughs) and however long it takes for him to die eventually and Claudia and this woman Madeline uh, are just to be killed and they are unfortunately they are stuck in yeah they're stuck in like a well basically that they can't get out of and then the sun comes out and shines on them and there are no corners to hide in because it's a well and they are killed yeah. And, uh, you know, Brad Pitt, who was supposed to be in his coffin for, like, hundreds of years, is let out about 20... Like, know, 20 minutes later by 20 Armand? 20 minutes later yeah. by Armand. Um, and Armand's like, no... You can't save them, and, and he it's goes stupid. Running. Well, of course, you know Louis pissed as well because he's like, "I have to save them." And our mom's like, "Oh no, I, I couldn't save them." I'm like, you fucking could have. Oh yeah, he could have done something. But he he's just like, nope, not dealing with that. He's old and bored, and he decided he wanted Louis to be his companion. And he was like, "Oh great, how easy the daughter will be gone now." Yeah, I don't and have so to deal with her anymore. No more attachments, yeah. and so I, he and I can just run off and be happy together. Nope. They have a more heavily implied sexual relationship. I disagree. I feel like Antonio Banderas doesn't have enough screen time to establish this. Kind of, like, but there are... Everything that you just said, like, I feel like that was more in the book than it I may mean, have been yes, more explicit. 
Yes, but they have like conversations where they're very close to each other and it's like a little more, some of the dialogue between them is a little more like I want us to leave together and blah, blah kind of thing. And Take you're like, okay. Yeah. Very, very Grindelwald. Yeah. The door. Um. <laughs> so, um, so he does, Armand does rescue him. Uh, obviously he's super fucking pissed because Claudia has been murdered and she was like his baby. Right. Um, so he runs away, but then comes back basically the next day, has flown into a rage and sets the whole fucking place on fire, kills all of those vampires, Santiago included. He's like slices him in half. It's yeah, fun. Yeah, there's like this whole like scene where he's like, like drop kicking all the vampires back into the fire. Well, that's all the fire stunts. Everybody yeah, comes flying out of their coffins. Are, they're all flying and like, and he's got like this like scythe kind of weapon yes it is a scythe and and then there was like like a a slicing of vampires very underworld-esque um you know i every time i watch another vampire movie or read another vampire book i'm like uh they're all just kind of similar in some ways but i get it like how much can you reinvent the wheel on vampires like no no i know so many vampire stories so many and the lore has to kind of follow a little bit like a little bit of the tropes at some point Eh, it's It's okay anyway so yeah so he you know obviously when they after they've gotten out after he's killed everybody he goes off with armand for like a minute but it like is pretty much like no i'm not interested in your way of life if you're just gonna think that you can do the only help people a kind of when you want something out of it no thank you bye peace and he just dips um then he basically spends decades and decades wandering because he was very upset brooding being upset and we don't Uh, know where lestat has fucked off to at this point no we have no idea we know he's like burned to a cinder well we thought i mean like technically we're meant to think that he's dead Mm. but like Obviously not. Um, so after a number of decades, like quite a while, he returns to New Orleans. Mm-hmm. Um, and while he's wandering one night, he he says he smells death, but like not coming from the cemetery, like coming from inside like an abandoned house. Mm. He goes into the house and it's, you know, Lestat who obviously because of how injured he was has this taken... This whole scene is so, so bad. <laughs> it's taken him a really long time to recover. So he's still like very weak and not able to do anything. He's like wearing like, okay, to be fair, the the version of this movie that we were watching was terrible quality, but it kind of looked like he was supposed to be like shrunken. Like I think they wanted to make him, I think they wanted to make him look really skinny because he's like not eaten in a really long time. But he just looked like a shrunken head. (laughs) Kind of. (laughs) Um, They have a whole conversation where, you know, there's like a bit of forgiveness. Louis like, it's fine. I forgive you for turning Claudia, whatever, even though I have no time for this. I'm too busy brooding. Yeah, that's it. Uh, you know, but of course Lestat still <laughs> yeah. wants him to stay with him. And Louis like, no, I'm not going to do that. Yeah. So he leaves and you know, that's it wanders off. And now we are back to several decades later. He is with Dan or Christian Slater, whatever, mm-hmm. uh, finished, tell- finishes telling him the story, but he wants it to just kind of be out there for people's knowledge. But Daniel, is you know obviously like where a lot of people would be unfortunately daniel is enthralled by this and he's like well you want a new companion i'm the one who could be yeah turn me i can be your new companion like you know like this is what needs to happen and louis is like for fuck's sake have you not been listening (laughs) you know i feel like um we'd be surprised at how many people would actually want to be turned into a vampire yeah if you put a poll out there and ask people to be honest yeah well i think if it really came with that immortality thing yes 
but yeah, I think what he's getting at is it's like it's not fun to live this. No, long. it's like, terrible. You it don't comes with its own set of problems. Of course, and you don't want to have to kill people and all that crap just to survive. Anyway, so he basically attack basically Louis attacks Daniel um, to get him to leave. Yeah, tells him off and then vanishes into the night or whatever. Yeah. Uh, Daniel is like freaked out, so he goes running out, jumps in his car, yeah. um, and gets onto the Golden Gate Bridge and starts driving across. And of course, he thinks he's home free and everything's fine and then la di da a vampire pops into the car and bites his neck and it's lestat who with his frilly with his frilly cuffs cuffs, god (laughs) he's not changed this entire time who i guess i i would assume basically very slowly probably because he's still very weak because you can tell like the makeup looks weird he's tracked louis over the last few decades chances are to san francisco Mm. and has followed him there and you know, does his whole thing again with Daniel this time where he says, like, you know, I'm going to give you the choice I never had. But he still, like, it just injects a little bit of life into the end of this film because he's funny about it. Like, because, you know, Daniel's listening to the tape of Louis and Lestat's just like, oh, always whining. still whining, Louis. (laughs) And I'm just like, go Tom Cruise. Like, you really stole the show. Which I've never said before. No, neither, ever. (laughs) I have never egged this man on before. (laughs) Not once. Um... (laughs) But yeah, and yeah, that's it. That's basically how they ended. It's like there's an implication that potentially he will turn Daniel into a vampire. Yeah. I don't think you, I don't think that the books ever have a follow through with this. Actually, I don't even remember if that last scene happens in the book. Um, because like the boy does, mm. it. the boy does want to become a vampire. Louis does attack him and chastise him for mm. that. And then he leaves. But I don't remember if anything else happens after that. So I'm going to have to double check, but I'm not sure. So it does sound like it was quite close to the book. It's pretty, like, there are a lot, the whole through line of it is the same, Mm -hmm. however, like, the characters aren't as well shaded, Mm -hmm. you know, there isn't as much nuance to different things, there aren't as many, I mean, it's difficult because it's a screenplay, you have to make things fit into, like, a roughly two-hour film, Yeah. Um, so I guess they're not going to have it be as intense as the book would be as far as like you know sort of the implications emotionally for the characters when something happens yeah um yeah so I don't know I mean okay like the like if we're just wrapping it up like the book was better I will yeah yeah yeah. like I it's been a long time since I've read it Mm. but you know even now revisiting the film and everything like that I can appreciate parts of it but if you don't know the story there are certain like things that are only like it's like throwaway dialogue almost explains something and so you're sitting there you had a few questions you were like why are they doing this like it didn't make much sense like a lot with the théâtre de vampire you were like I don't understand what's happened yeah it it, just kind of jumped over no that's it there's no clear indication as to why they want to kill them and stuff like that and you don't because you don't realize that anybody's mind has been read well, that's what I'm saying. Like there, and and that makes sense. Then why the book was better? Because I was watching this movie and I had a lot of questions. Like I felt that it was very choppy. Like, yes, it kept jumping from one thing to another, and I was just like, I'm confused. Like it's almost like the whole movie was like a bunch of like vampire scenes that yeah. were like muddled together like almost like a bunch of like vampire short stories yeah kind of that are kind of following the same characters and you're just getting little bits and pieces but I wasn't understanding like the between the scenes yeah you know yeah no I understand that it's when I look at it now I'm like yeah no this would have been I can understand why people watching if you only watch this one time you're like wait what's happening happening? yeah Yeah, it wouldn't really make much sense yeah and it didn't (laughs) no anyway the the book is better Tom Cruise is surprisingly good in this film um he's playing himself 
Maybe. But it works. In <laughs> it, this works. Char- it works for this character, so that's fine. Well, I mean, Anne Rice um, initially hated the casting of mm. him. She hated it. like, And she would not watch the movie at wow. first because she was so upset until somebody, I think the filmmaker, sent her a copy. She watched it, and she called him to apologize because she was like, you did a really good job. Oh, well, there you go. At least yeah. she did that. Exactly. Um, I'm excited for this TV show. Yeah. I'm really, I feel like from, I feel like, you know, even if it's, obviously it's still a period piece, but from a modern perspective, you can do so much with well, a story like with this. It being a TV show. Like, they yeah. can probably spend the time to explain certain things. For sure. For yeah. sure. So that's going to help things a lot. Yeah. And I have vaguely read that this is going to kick off like an Anne Rice universe of sorts so have the other vampires introduced have the witches come in at one point I think they want to create a few different shows and tie everything together and have like crossovers because the books crossover so I don't see why not um so that's gonna be super fun super fun um but what do you guys (laughs) think of Interview with the Vampire have you seen it have you never seen it have you read the book it's one of those that I think a lot of people even if you've never seen the whole movie you've probably seen some mm. of it at some point uh, but you can let us know over on instagram at fully booked ca you can check out our facebook group also at facebook.com slash groups slash book was way better and if you are still with us please feel free to leave us a five-star rating and review it really helps us get episodes out in front of more people but until next week guys keep on reading thanks everyone